Dreams are information that our unconscious or subconscious provided for us during the night to give us information, to give us insight, to sometimes simply entertain us. Some people believe that dreams come from a divine source, come from outside of us, and other people believe that dreams come from inside of us. It really is about um, memory and thoughts and events that have happened to us sometimes in our life that we haven't finished processing for better or worse and that come up and give us another chance in the night. Hello and welcome to Passion Harvest. Thank you so much for joining us wherever you are in the world right now. Our guest today is Linda Yale Schiller. She decodes your dreams. Linda is a dream work specialist and integrative mind, body, and spiritual psychotherapist. Linda is a professor of emeritus at Boston University School of Social Work and the author of several books, including Modern Dream Work, New Tools for Decoding Your Soul's Wisdom and PTS Dreams, Transform Your Nightmares from Trauma Through Healing Dream Work. This is her story and this is her passion. Linda, welcome to Passion Harvest. What are dreams? Well, that's a very good question. There are many ways to people define dreams, but in, in a nutshell, dreams are information that are, depending on your, your worldview, that our unconscious or subconscious provide for us during the night to give us information, to give us insight, to sometimes simply entertain us. And depending again on a worldview, some people believe that dreams come from a divine source, come from outside of us. And other people believe that dreams come from inside of us. From a medical or psychological perspective, it really is about um, memory and thoughts and events that have happened to us sometimes in our life that we haven't finished processing for better or worse and that come up and give us another chance in the night. What are nightmares? So the, there's a difference. I sort of break it into three categories. There are what we might call, quote unquote, good dreams. And then there are sort of, quote unquote, bad dreams. And then there are nightmares. So a good dream, and all of them are really defined by what's called the emotional narrative that goes along with the dream. So in every dream, we have the story, the narrative of what happens, what's the setting, what's the characters, what's the story that the dream is playing out. And if the emotions that go along with your story are positive emotions, you're happy in the dream, you're excited in the dream, you're peaceful in the dream, then it's a, it's a nice dream. If the emotions that go along with your dream are upsetting, are distressing, are disturbing, are uncomfortable, but not overwhelming, not really putting you into terror, we might call that a, a bad dream or an unpleasant dream. The dreams that we wake up from with our heart pounding, catching our breath, where we're feeling really overwhelmed, really terrifying, and that often linger into the day as well with what we might call a dream hangover during our waking hours, those would be categorized as nightmares. Some, though not all nightmares, are generated by trauma, but the majority of the nightmares, particularly that are repetitive, 
either in the dream itself or in the themes and symbols in the dream are often uh, generated by something that has been traumatic that has happened in our life or in the life around us that hasn't yet been sufficiently resolved. So it's like an SOS from our unconscious saying, hello, there's still work to be done here. There's something you need to know and do. And I'm going to keep sort of nudging you until you attend to these issues that haven't yet been attended to. And and talk about the, whether they're happy dreams, nightmares, talk about the SOS and, and <laughs> symbolism. We all have dreams and we don't really understand that. How do we dive into the symbolism of dreams or for them to so make sense to us? dreams can be understood at, at multiple simultaneously true layers. So there, there is one layer of a dream that's simply the dream itself. You look at the, the what's called the manifest content of the dream. I was taking a walk with my dog down the street and we encountered somebody else who had a pack of dogs um, uh, that weren't on leashes coming toward us. That's the dream. So depending on our emotional response, it's either a good dream, uh, unpleasant dream or a nightmare. So the top layer is simply, this happened in my dream. We then look at what is our what are our personal associations to the events, the characters, the landscape in our dream? So the first layer of symbolize of symbolization might be, what's your relationship with dogs? Do you own a dog? Do you not have a dog? Do you like dogs? Are you afraid of dogs? Were you ever bitten by a dog um, when you were a child or an adult? So we start to get the personal layer of what do you think about dogs compared to what anybody else might think about dogs. So that's one layer of the symbolism. And then we next would go to a deeper layer. Okay, in the general sense, when I think about a dog, what might a dog be symbolizing both in general, not just my experience with dogs. So a dog might be representing our animal nature right? A dog might be representing the idea of quote unquote man's best friend or woman's best friend. And is that relevant for us in this picture? Um, in this dream, we have one dog and the person coming toward us has a whole lot of dogs. So how do we feel about having just one and the other person having a lot? Is that a positive, a neutral or a negative association? So we look at the symbolism around that and then we go back again with symbolism to what's the emotional narrative. Am I delighted to, to be greeting this person with all my doggies friends who's going to meet at the dog park? Or am I terrified because these dogs, I think, are going to attack me and my dog? So then there's another layer of symbolism, depending on our emotional response to that. And then finally, a, a final layer of symbolism might be, do we have any associations with the um, with the other side, with the other world, with people who have passed over? Is there someone in our life who had a dog's life? Whatever that means to you, is that positive or negative? I sometimes joke and I say, when, when I come back, I want to come back as a well-loved house cat because my cats really have the life of Riley over here. Um, but what would be your symbolism then about coming back as a cat, coming back as a dog? So we take all those things into account as we think about the symbolic layer Gosh, there's so many levels to it. We often talk about symbolism and dreams, but it, it's really an individual process, isn't it? It's hard, it's hard to say a bird means, this is what a bird means. It's really so for the individual. 
That's exactly right, which is why I always advise people who are using, you know, dream dictionaries in any way to really take it with a grain of salt. Because when a dream dictionary says a bird means this or a dog means this, that's what it means to one person at one time. But everyone has their own idiosyncratic association to the dream. So all dreams are individual, but we belong to a collective uh, human race. And we have what uh, Carl Jung calls a collective unconscious as well. So we might resonate with some of the universal symbolism that shows up in a dream book, but we have to make sure to individualize our understanding and our work with dreams to the dreamer. So the dreamer really belongs to the dreamer. No matter what your association might be, if I don't get an aha and a resonance with it, then it's not true for me. So the final determiner of what a dream means is the dreamer, him or herself. I I, I don't do it. I should. It, it's very important to record or probably write down the dreams because we often forget a few hours later. That's exactly true. Our dreams are very ephemeral. They're sort of like wisps of smoke or mist. And if we don't anchor them in something a little more concrete, like writing them down in a journal or at the very least recording them into your favorite device, it's very likely that they'll disappear. So I always recommend to people to have a dream journal right by their bed and be prepared as much as possible to write the dream down as quickly as you can after waking, even if it's the middle of the night or in the morning. But if you can't, as soon as you're able to, to go back and write down whatever you remember, because you can still catch an essence of a dream, even if you go back a few hours later. And if you miss a few details, well, we can trust that you'll remember some of the most important ones. And if you haven't, it'll come back. <laughs> Interesting. Why do we have some dreams while well, I'm talking about myself uh, that don't happen for some so vivid and so real and memorable for years and some flitter away? What yeah. does that mean? That's a great question. And I think your experience with that is shared by the majority of people that some dreams stay in our consciousness for days, weeks, years, um, and others kind of just come and go. And there's a number of different possible reasons. The ones that come and go might simply be the ones that don't have a lot of valence for us, aren't about big issues or big themes in our life. Um, one way of understanding dreams is they help us to metabolize things that have happened to us the day before, the week before, the month before, or to um, consolidate memory so that it becomes part of a narrative. So we have a self-narrative in our life that's continuous. So some dreams might be about, oh, you had a dream, let's just stay with the walking the dog. And oh yeah, you wake up and you remember, oh yeah, yesterday I was walking my dog and I saw other people on the street walking their dogs. And that's why I had this dream. And that really might be what it was mostly about. So it's not a super big deal for you in your life. It doesn't have any great emotional significance. The ones that are the most vivid and the ones we remember for a long time are the ones that I think have special important meaning for us, that they really want us to pay attention. This might be part of our life path. There are some people who are more inclined to have vivid dreams because they're what we would call thin boundaried people and they're more right brain people. Those among us who are the artists who work more with intuition who are open to looking at multiple ways of um, obtaining information, often will have their dreams kind of come through the, the barrier of, of time and space more easily and have more vivid dreams. 
And then simply people who value dreams and who are interested in dreams will tend to remember them more and possibly have more vivid dreams than people who say, ah, no big deal. I don't really care that much about it. So what we consider important and what we pay attention to will, will show up more vividly in our lives. Uh, some people say before they go to sleep, they um, ask questions if they're in a in confusion about for the dream to reveal the right answer for them or the solution to certain problems. Well, I think you're asking about uh, doing dream incubation, which is thinking about the issue, the dilemma, the problem, the question you have in your mind, writing it down before you go to sleep. So this is called, this is an ancient, ancient process that's begun, you know, millennia ago called dream incubation. And that when we spend a few minutes, it could be one sentence, it could be a paragraph, it could be a few pages, whatever works for you. Try to end your writing with an actual question. And then when you wake up and have your dream, write the dream on the same page as the question you asked. Then you can go back and forth between the question and the dream. And chances are very, very high that the dream will have come to answer the question. Now, it might be symbolic. It might be coached in metaphor and symbolism, and you might need to work it. So you might not get the answer right away. And if that's the case, simply keep asking the question for a few nights and try to refine and your question to make it more specific and really to talk with your dream muse or your dream guide and say, you know, thank you for sending me a dream. I appreciate the information, but could you be clearer? Could you be less ambiguous? Could you give me the dream without so much symbolism so I can understand the message? So you can kind of have a relationship with your dreaming self to get the answers to questions that you have. Gosh, I, I love that. Um, I, I know it, it's just a reminder. Um, for those people that say they don't dream, what's your advice to encourage more active dreaming? Well, when people say they don't dream, that's actually not true. What is true is they don't remember their dreams because physiologically, we all have five to seven REM cycles every night and the REM is the rapid eye movement. And during REM sleep, we are dreaming. We just don't remember them. We generally tend to remember the dreams best that we have in our final REM cycle just before we wake up because they're sort of fresh in our mind, so to speak. So if people want to remember their dreams, then I would suggest that they tell themselves that. Do some dream incubation on remembering. You can simply write down in your journal or hold in your mind before you go to sleep at night. I value my dreams. I want to get messages from my dream world. I promise to take them seriously, pay attention, work with them and value them. And to do that often enough so that they sort of prime the pump, if you will, around getting better practice at, at dream remembering. So that's one piece of the answer. The other is there are things that we don't call dreams or don't recognize as dreams, but actually are. Right? So there's the dream that we have when we're sound asleep at night in a REM cycle, which is what most people think about when they're thinking about dreams. We also, however, have dreams in those in-between zones, right? You know, when you're just falling asleep or you're just waking up and you're in that kind of liminal in-between space, you can call that the hypnopompic and the hypnagogic zones and various images or memories or hazy 
um, stories will come through there. And those are dreams too. So record those and pay attention to those. Don't discount them. Also, if you wake up and there's one word, that's it. That counts as a dream. If you wake up and you have an emotion <coughs> excuse me, that isn't connected with your surroundings, if you wake up feeling frightened, if you wake up feeling angry, if you wake up feeling delighted, and there's nothing in particular going on in your immediate surroundings that explain why you would have that emotion on waking, that's your dream. The dream can sometimes just be the emotion itself. That's all that remained, and you didn't get to catch the storyline that went with the emotion. Mm -hmm. And then the final thing about what is a dream are waking dreams. So when you're walking around in your daily life, if you're tuned in and paying attention, notice the synchronicities. Notice those unexplainable coincidences. Notice the deja vus. And that's a version of waking dream. Where the same kind of aha excuse me, can come through when we're awake as we might get from when we're asleep. So all this processing and analyzing, how can this... Um assist us in well what we call our daily life <coughs> excuse me i think i'm going to take you with me and i'm going to go get uh, a cough drop while we're <laughs> while we're talking of course I have, I have a laptop so i can move around no, no, no. I, it's um, fine absolutely no you take so your time in, in our daily life we have questions we have issues we have dilemmas we have something we're not sure about Let's say, for example, you were um, job hunting and you were offered a job across the country or in another, another part of the world or really even just across town. And you're kind of on the fence. Should I take this job? Is this right for me? What's involved if I take this? Ask your dreaming self before you go to sleep at night. You know, is taking this job and moving from Australia to France, for example, <laughs> in my highest good and best interest, or or not. And your dream will come through often with symbolism, but sometimes very directly with a with a, just a, an answer. But if it comes through with symbolism, you'll have to decode how the answer in the dream relates to the question you asked. So really, I mean, all the answers are within us. Right. We know more than we think we do. And attending to our dreams allows us to access information that our waking conscious mind doesn't quite have available to it, but our deep unconscious and subconscious self is holding and containing the answers or the directions to, to go in. Thank you, Linda. I've got two more questions, if that's okay for you. Sure, I'm fine. What's your the, the Gaia method that you use, the guided active imagination approach? What does that mean? Mm -hmm. So the Gaia method that I designed is particularly set up to deal with those really scary nightmares that we need extra resources and extra sort of holding and containment to feel safe enough to address. And it's predicated on sort of two, two legs. And one is Jung's active imagination approach, where we go inside of the dream after we've awakened and can interact with the characters, change things around, bring in resources, and create a new resolution or ending to the dream. The other leg of the Gaia approach is based on best practice trauma treatment. 
because there are two steps in the value method. There's step one, which we do about establishing resources for the dreamer before we even begin working on the dream. And then there's step two, which is using the guide, the active imagination inside of the dream. So for people who have really terrifying nightmares and possibly a history of trauma in their life, to go straight on into working with the nightmare might be too upsetting, might recreate traumatic responses, might not be safe enough for the dreamer. So the first step is always safety. We wanna make sure our dreamer is feeling safe and comfortable enough to be able to address the nightmare. And this is what the Gaia method does. We spend the first part of the, our intervention working with the dreamer about creating safety for themselves in their life. So in a variety of questions, I ask the dreamer, what do you need before we even look at the dream to feel safe, secure, and comfortable so that when we look at the dream, you will have resources that you didn't originally have when you dreamed the dream. So I ask people, are there people, are there pets, are there objects that you associate with safety, with comfort, with security? And then we also do what's called safe space imagery, creating an imagical space where someone feels safe and secure. And once someone feels that they have all the resources they need to sort of feel secure and brave enough to look at the dream, the bridge between step one and step two is we then peek inside the dream before we go in it itself from the outside looking at the dream and say, okay, are there any other resources that we had in the dream that we might not have noticed, or we might not have mentioned before that we can access that were already there? So if we dreamed that we were in a dark forest and we're feeling very scared, I've set, set up with someone resources before we, we look at that. But I said, take a peek inside that dream from the outside. Notice if there's anyone or anything there that might give you safety or comfort. Very often people will say, well, now that you mention it, there was this old woman sitting under a tree and she was a very wise, safe person. And, and I didn't see her at first, but, but she was already there in my dream. And say, great, well, add her to your list of resources. And then once people feel ready, then we go into the dream and look around and see what's there, confront the scary figure or the monster or the demon or whatever it was that was frightening with the resources that the dreamer didn't have in the first place. And this allows people to work both in a symbolic level and then to make connections if you know outside of the dream with things that happen in their life in a way that's resourced that they didn't have either in the dream or when the traumatic events originally happened in their life. So this is based on um, various forms of trauma treatment, including EMDR, which is eye movement desensitization and reprocessing. And the whole first part of the EMDR protocol is about helping the person become resourced enough to be able to attend to the traumatic events. It's, it's so interesting, and that just probably takes me to my last question of the ability to manipulate our dreams. Mm -hmm. So there's two ways to think about that. One is after we've woken up, and the other is while we're dreaming. So I don't know if you were intending one or the other, or should I respond? While to we're that? dreaming. <laughs> but okay. you can do both, well, if, whatever sure. you feel comfortable with. Sure. So while we're dreaming, it's, it's very, very popular right now. It's called lucid dreaming, 
which is the ability to be aware that you're having a dream while you are asleep and dreaming. And this is a whole other sort of large topic of conversation, but you can learn, you can spontaneously become aware in the middle of a dream, oh, I'm having a dream. And that's a spontaneous lucid dream. Or you can practice various methods and techniques to help you train yourself to become aware that you're dreaming while you're having a dream. And when you can do that, you can choose your course of action in a dream. You can say, I would like to fly here and start to fly in the dream. And it can be really quite fun or delightful. But you could say, I'm standing at a crossroads and this time I'm going to choose the left instead of the right because I want to go this way. And you can do that in your dream sort of in a conscious way, even though you're asleep. So we do have the ability to move around, if you will, or work with the dream events and characters. Um, what I caution people about is if they themselves have trauma or they're working with someone who they know for sure has trauma, it's probably a good idea to do the resourcing first. And if they're in a lucid dream, rather than simply run away and avoid confronting the monster, the demon, the scary thing, the event that happened, to get resourced and stay put so that they can ask the questions they need to ask and get the answers to resolve the event rather than just run away from it. So that's just one caveat I would put on, um, on lucid dreaming. So interesting. Linda, thank you so much. Where's the best place for people to connect with you? Um, well, I have a bunch of websites and I have an email. My uh, general website is lindayaelschiller.com, www.lindayaelschiller.com. And then each of my two books has a website of its own. One is moderndreamwork.com. And then the more recent book is ptsdreams.com. And you can read what the books are about and and, and connect and, and learn a little about me there. And then finally, I have a, an email address, which is lindawyschiller at gmail.com. Thank you, Linda. Now, a big congratulations on your books. Is there anything else you'd like to share with the Passion Harvest audience that I haven't asked you? Um, not off the top of my head. You've done a lovely job looking at sort of the overview of dreams and nightmares. And um, the only thing I would share, I think, is that dreams are, are fascinating and they're wonderful and often overlooked sources of information. So I really encourage your listeners or viewers to pay attention to their dreams, get that dream journal, notice them. And Often working with other people on a dream, whether it's one other people or a group called Dream Circle, allows you to have um, many perspectives that we might not have had on our own dream, because we can see things about other people's dreams that we might not have seen in our own and get a lot of other perspectives on, on the dream that in addition to what you might come up with by yourself. Oh, thank you so much, Linda, for being on Passion Harvest. I've loved it and you've given some wonderful tools and tips to remind people of how important dreams are and how to utilize them. So thank you so much. You're very welcome. My pleasure. Okay. Bye-bye. So long. Bye-bye. If you liked this episode, please do subscribe for weekly passionate inspirational interviews.